0: And now, a Batuta Advocate special, our very first AFL player coming on the show to discuss things all grand final, or as they say in Victoria, the big dance, live from Baxter Boots Studio. Let's get on with it. You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Well, welcome back to the Batuta Advocate radio show on Desert Rock FM. Now, a lot's going on in the world this week. They've legalised marijuana in Canberra. They've legalised, decriminalised abortion in New South Wales. Prime Minister's overseas with Trump, doing his best to make friends with America while indirectly taking a lot of money from China. And sport is pretty much at fever pitch around the country. All football codes. AFL Grand Final this weekend... NRL next weekend and then we of course head into the Spring Carnival
1: but the uh, the AFL Grand Final Errol is an interesting one this year isn't it yeah it is an interesting one you've got the Gold Coast Titans of the AFL have reached their first ever Grand Final some would say that they were never going to do it others were hoping that the experiment has failed but it's quite clear that this year the experiment has been a success
0: yes the little expansion team that could mm-hmm. Greater
1: Western Sydney Giants
0: are in the big dance, as they call it, in Victoria mm-hmm. against the seasoned grand final veterans, Richmond. And we've, uh, we're today speaking to uh, a titan of the GWS, a titan of the Giants. Dylan Buckley, thanks for joining us, mate.
2: Thanks, boys. Thanks very much. Obviously a huge fan of the show. And I will just quickly go back because you said that the Gold Coast Titans are the Giants. Mm-hmm. Now, that in fact nice. is definitely incorrect. The Gold Coast Titans are the Gold Coast Suns. Yeah, You cannot equivalent... Uh, us to those to those guys. So, um, no, we're fantastic to be there. Obviously a new club, but um, as they're saying at the moment, there's a big, big sound of the west of the town, and uh, we're ready to go.
0: You've seen um, the fan base grow out there. Can you tell us what that's kind of looked like in the western suburbs? Because obviously they're not starved for footy teams of any capacity. They've got no. the Wanderers in the A-League, which was selling out stadiums in their first ever season, no. and they've got about 32
1: NRL clubs. And it's not a dispossessed VFL team. You know, this is a team that was built from the ground up by the AFL. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's been pretty crazy. Like, I haven't been there my whole career. Obviously, I had six years at Carlton where that's one of the biggest clubs. So that's probably one of your uh, your roosters or something like that. Yeah. And they, they're they just incredible. So, you know, we'd go to these clinics and players would know, uh, you know, what stat you had on the weekend and they know what we had for breakfast. And, um, yeah, they knew what stat you had. And that always wasn't good for me because, yeah, you know, right. it wasn't. It wasn't great because I obviously didn't have many stats, and um, they'd obviously know that I'd had been pretty crap. But uh, moving up to to the Giants, it's obviously uh, in Sydney, and um, the the support isn't as, isn't as big. But going down to the clinics down in um you know in Penrith and Gambletown, and um, seeing those kids down there, the first question was, "Do you play for the doggies?" Yeah. And um, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, we're wearing orange and charcoal, but uh, yeah, I've only been here for two years now, and it's definitely definitely taken. Taken much more of a liking, um, you know. The, the clinics now—they're not just throwing the balls back at us. They're trying to kick and handball. and um, yep. I think it's definitely making an imprint up here in Sydney. Especially if we can bring that cup home this weekend, it's yep. going to
1: be—it's uh, going to be huge. How much of the audience do you think you've poached off the other team in Sydney? Uh, I think they're called the Swans, are they? <laughs> <laughs> they um, the South Melbourne Swans. Yeah, <laughs> they are uh, because because they've been up here since what? Since 1982. Yeah, and they do have you know quite a rusted on fan base you know you've got the old ones who come up from Melbourne uh, to go to Sydney and then you've got the new ones but but that team is basically the nicer parts of Sydney you know where people tend to have a larger disposable income and you know they can enjoy things you know like going to to multiple sporting events a year have you had many people jump across you know have you had people come over to say you know now we have a team where I'm from yeah definitely I think it's it's
2: massive um like you said, I think the Western Sydney is you know nearly probably double what the East has. There's so many people out there, and um, for me coming from Victoria, I just never realised how big Western Sydney actually was. You know, you drive an hour and you're hitting Penrith. It's pretty much like Geelong of, yeah, of Victoria, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's absolutely incredible how big that target market is. And when you look at it from the numbers perspective, you can see why the AFL made a team. Mm-hmm. In terms of the poaching the supporters, I know that there is definitely a few guys that have jumped ship. You know, a lot of people come over to me and always say you know, I I support the Giants because I hate the Swans and, uh, you know, you just want to sort of stick it up the other guys that support the Swans. So I suppose there's a bit of rivalry like that. Um, I suppose there's a lot of people that have sort of jumped on board recently as the guys have gone really well and, um, you know, if you go to, the best thing for me and if you look at it from a serious and a multicultural sort of way, um, you go to our games and the the amount, like the, the vast array of people that come to the games is incredible. You've got... People from all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, and ethnicities, and it's just like a really, really beautiful place to to see. And it's it's just incredible what the what the guys have done. They make it such a a good experience. Um, I know you guys met Stephen Cornelio who was in here last week, who just signed a massive deal. But he heads up the um, multicultural side of it, mm-hmm. um, being being an Italian um, boy himself. So. He's uh, obviously big in that in that aspect, and um, I think the crowd's definitely getting around it.
0: It's, uh, is, is, is that a big thing? Are you, and are you starting to see finding kids from different backgrounds starting to show up at clinics and starting to get uh, eyeballs on them at like a scouting level?
2: Oh, 100%, mate. I think even in you know for a long time now, the AFL's been absolutely huge on its diversity, and that's something mm-hmm. they're really proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, you see guys like Majak Dor, Murray Abchoa, one of the guys that is in selection for Richmond this week from Sudanese uh, descent, and they're just absolutely incredible athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially up here in the west, you know, we've got young kid um, Nick Shipley, who's actually from the west. He was the first guy drafted um, that's from Western Sydney. Yeah, um, Nick Shipley. So he's from a soccer background, translated into footy. He's actually from Peruvian descent. So yeah, right. he's um, he's absolutely killing it and really come a long way. So yeah, obviously in the west, there's a diverse range of cultures, and
0: um, yeah, they're all welcome, and it's absolutely incredible. It is interesting what you're saying there about homegrown talent. So you've already got a, a Western Sydney boy playing. Yeah. Because. It took the Melbourne Storm about fifteen years, years to get yeah. something yeah. that came out of the, yeah. the grassroots out there. Who was that? I've never heard of anyone in Melbourne playing uh, league. He was um he was an Islander guy, and he didn't play for that long. But yeah. you know, it was um yeah that was that was such a novelty. Yeah, After right. To have years, one Victoria. they had, had a Victorian <laughs> yeah. guy that came to the grassroots, which we didn't know existed. So, yeah. well uh, the Sydney
2: the Sydney um, talent these days is incredible. At the Giants, we get some young guys. that get to train with us all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this year in the draft, there's probably three of them that are actually from New South Wales, which yeah. is just incredible, really, when you think yeah. about it.
0: Mm. Now, can you tell us a little bit about like the draft? Uh, you actually were able to avoid it because of um, a historic mm-hmm. um Just like Cousins' dad. Yep. Yeah, by-law, Ben Cousins' law. Um, you were able to be brought in... Through
1: descent into Carlton. Yes, Yes. so... um, Through the father-son law. That's it. Father-son law, yeah. Yeah. Straight into the spoon team. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, obviously you guys don't have it in league, but um, there's a father-son rule that if if your dad plays over 100 games for a club, Mm -hmm. you're eligible to go to that team and they have first preference. So back in the day, uh, it used to be you would go into the draft and then if they, you know, if you agreed with that team, you just get taken with their last pick. Mm -hmm. So you'd get uh, like the third, fourth, fifth round picks in the team, which was incredible because you look at a team like Geelong who won, you know, three flags in five years Mm. and they had guys like Gary Ablett Jr., Mm -hmm. Matthew Scarlett, Tom Hawkins, who were like, first round picks you know they'd <laughs> yeah, be taken you know, some yeah. of the best players of all time yeah and they would have been taken in the first three picks of the draft yeah for sure and they got taken last yeah. so now there's a bit of a different way to do it it's you still have first preference but there's a bidding system so if you bid on me now i have to match it with a pick that would be around that area okay so traditionally like it's been an incredible rule but now yeah it's starting to catch up you saw there's a guy nick blakey who plays with the swans who's a he's going to be an absolute incredible player and his dad played for the swans and um, I think Giants actually bid it on him at pick five. So yeah. Sydney had
1: to match that yeah, and right. come up. So as a boy, you were heading out to the G to watch your father play for Carlton. Did you always want to go and play for Carlton or did you have your own team? No, I um I loved the Blues as growing up. It was
2: funny. I was never actually really into footy a lot. I um was a bit of a weird kid and I only sort of played just because
0: all my mates did. Yeah,
2: And uh, yeah, so... Obviously, Dad had actually had finished by the time I was born, but oh, right uh, he would always take me down to the, the club. I was just looking at these premierships here, 79, yeah.
0: 81, 82, maybe, yeah. uh, maybe a bit before <laughs> your time. He would <laughs> take me down to the
2: rooms and you know, I'd love it. So I obviously grew up there and it was always something that something that I wanted to do. Funny story, if you got time, I, um, when I was 17, the Giants, that was the year that they actually formed, and they had the opportunity to pre-list 12 17-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And I was in that group of 17 year olds born between January and April and they could pick yeah 12 us. so basically I had the opportunity to come up here as one of the first inaugural players but Carlton said that they would you know yeah say that they'd pick me up so I ended up staying in Melbourne with family did my extra year in year 12 and then they got drafted me the year after but it's funny the way it goes because I'm a big believer in you know pair of the mind and whatnot and I think that the whole time looking back now that was always in my head and I ended up coming down here six years later um, mm-hmm. and ended back up at the club. So it's pretty funny
0: how it all works. Tell us, was it a relief when you finally got on the field for Carlton, you know, as the son of, yeah. a, of, a, mm. of a footballer? Was it, you know, at least um, it, it's, it's hard having, you know, an old man that's won three premierships, I'm sure. But like... <laughs> you know you got there and your first touch you, you kicked a goal yeah i mean you're talking about stats earlier that's a pretty good one to carry a pin in is, your chest. it is a
2: good stat yeah it is but yeah it's it's a funny one people always ask me if i felt pressure and and everything about dad obviously he was a super player and yeah three flags is just incredible especially these days um it just it just doesn't happen but in saying that you know he was always my dad i never had another dad i didn't yeah. know what it was yeah. like to yeah. sort of grow up normally um for me that was normal so I never really put too much pressure on myself, to be honest. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I like being under—I don't like being under pressure, but I feel like being under pressure brings out the best in me. So maybe I should have put myself under a bit more pressure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, look, I loved my time at Carlton. Um, my first two years were very slow. I was a young kid. I—I I had no idea. You know, I think if I look back now, knowing that I was going to go there at seventeen was probably the worst thing that ever happened to me because I just didn't. Realise how hard you had to work to get somewhere, and I thought, well, this is you know. I looked back and it sort of just got handed to me on a plate, and I got to I got to Carlton as an 18 year old and just thought it was all going to happen, um, and it didn't. And yeah, it took some very hard conversations with people to to pull me into line. And um, yeah, I, I remember having a chat with Heath Scotland, who's um, just one of the you know my favourite people I've ever met in footy. He was an absolute superstar. He won a won a lot of um, a lot of people's hearts at footy, and he's actually just coaching North Melbourne now. And um, he said to me, he's like, mate, you know, this isn't just going to happen. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, like, no one's just going to rock up and, make you do it. Like, yeah. if you want to do it, you got to do it yourself. And the way you're heading, you know, you can maybe play a couple games and then you'll be out the door. And that sort of really hit me and I thought, far out, that's, you know, pretty scary um, and it could be pretty embarrassing. You know, if they sign me for three years, meant to be this good thing and never sort of came to. So um, it was incredible for me. Obviously played in my third year about 18 games and was available for, uh, played every game I was available for and, yeah, it was it was a really really big moment in my career, I suppose.
0: Could you kind of uh see that happening with other players around you as well? Do you see that, you know, cuz some kids wouldn't have to have that conversation yeah. with themselves, some kids. And it always tends to be in all codes of footy. It's the it's the lunatics that yeah. kind of don't ever have to think anything yeah. like, you know, yeah. because, you know, you've got your Joey Johns, you've got your Shane Warne, you've got your um your Pink, your yep. Curry, yep. you carry bullets. Yeah. You know, like what's that like seeing a kid that's almost bulletproof just because of their talent? Yeah, it's it's it is scary. I think like there's like
2: you said, talent's not everything. You got to have the work ethic Mm. because everyone, you know, once you get to the AFL, everyone's talented. Everyone's got their skills. I think like my last you know two years at the Giants, I've really taken a a liking to helping out the young boys that come into the system, and you know, I I sort of see a lot of those guys in me and what I did do wrong and what I did do right, and um, mainly what I didn't do, mainly what I did wrong, to be honest. And I I sort of just catch them out. I say, boys you know don't be ever happy playing in the twos like while you're here you know even though you're playing in the twos at the moment you're 18 years old you're available for selection there's no way there's no way you should be thinking that you're not mm-hmm. meant to be playing and i think like i wish that someone helped me out with that a little mm-hmm. bit when i was younger because when i was 18 and 19 physically i probably wasn't ready but mentally i just was like oh i'll just do this for two years and mm-hmm. you know hopefully it works out yeah and I try and catch up with the young boys now and be like, don't wait, you know, like these guys, as yeah. much as we're best mates, we're all competitors and yeah. if you push him, he's going to push you and that's what you want in a footy club and that's what the Giants have got, to be honest. These boys that have come in this year, these some of these young guys, um, Connor Ryden, uh, Xavier O'Halloran, they're just some awesome players and um, I think living up here as well, you don't have the pressure on you yeah. like you do in Melbourne and they're going to be some super, super guys.
1: So tell us about the road to the finals that the Giants have been on this season. I mean, they've come... They've had a few close calls with the finals, a few big dances, but um, this is the biggest one they've been in. What's been different, you think, about this season compared to last season and the season before that?
2: Yeah, I think the boys, we we really set ourselves up well throughout the year um, and and played some good footy. It's a credit to Leon Cameron. He's he's an incredible coach and really, he stays so calm and I think that's the one thing that you've got to do when you're in that leadership position and he never really panicked um, at all and, and nor should he, but... We had a bit of a form slump just going into the finals. We lost to Hawthorne by about fifty points, um, which was, you know, a stage where you probably could panic. But he just brought everyone in and said, Boys, like we well, you know, we we know we can do it, we're gonna be sweet. Let's just really just get together now and have a big build up for the finals and I remember that being probably a chat that like really you know, was really switched everyone on and I think we played the Bulldogs in the first final at home after mm-hmm. they just absolutely smoked us the week before. And they were coming back up to Giant Stadium to play us. And I knew that if the boys switched on, which they were going to, and we won that first final, it was all about momentum. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm a big believer that finals is about momentum. And we beat the Bulldogs, who were nearly the best informed mm-hmm. team. And then we went and played Brisbane, who were in the next second informed team at their home, beat them. And then I think once we beat them, I knew that they were onto something special flew down to Melbourne obviously beat Collingwood in front of one of the biggest crowd differentials yeah. that's, you know, seen and I think that, you know, like people were sort of saying, it's it's not an us versus them mentality but it's just sort of facts that, you know, we don't have the biggest supporter base so you really, you do shield together and just, you know, dig deep and I'm just so proud of the boys And but, you know, there's one more game to go and I know that that's going to be the biggest one.
0: At the start of the season, did anyone say something? Did anyone say, oh, we might be on here? Like at the very, how early in did people start thinking we might be getting to where you're at now? Uh,
2: well, the guys, the guys have been in the finals four years in a row. Yep. So I think in 2016 they made Premier, the prelim. premiership window. <laughs> yeah, they, they made the prelim. Then uh, I think the finals next year they might have made the prelim. Then I came up last year. We lost the first or second final, and this year obviously making the grand final. So you know the the boys are they've got no no doubts on where they're at. Like we're you know they're very confident. And confident in their abilities and where we're at, so I think that it's always been a goal. It's just actually doing it. You know, it's harder. It's it's harder said than done because there's so many teams that want to be there in September and only two get there.
0: Don't it have to be one of the most successful expansion clubs in any code in Australia? Yeah, surely. Yeah. Yeah. Western Western Force never got there. None of the. Except I mean, except the Storm, really. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And if you look at you know if you if you love your AFL, which I know you boys do, um, you look at the players that we've left, we've lost over the yeah. last. Three years. Mm. It's I, I. It's a massive credit to the club to, be, to to sustain this this sort of um this sort of playing ability because you look at some of the players who were lost like Dylan Sheil and Tom Scully Rory Lob Is he Is he Uh Yeah, exactly. So it's it's it's, it's incredible. Yeah. He's a big loss. <laughs>
0: yeah. Now you tell us a little bit about moving out of. I mean, you grew up in Fitzroy. Yes, you b- basically grew up in. The middle of the city, within a couple of clicks of you, there with six AFL clubs, yep. and quite an urban environment. What's it like uh, moving up, up up to Sydney? I'm, I'm assuming you might live closer to the water. Yeah,
2: much closer to the water. Uh, to be in a place where you're playing the sport you know you love, um, but you don't have to. Deal with a lot of the media scrutiny, and you can mm-hmm. go by you know go about your life the way that you want.
0: Go um, buy a Gatorade at two in the morning if you want to, you know. Not you know, get... you can
2: get an Indian home diner at yeah. three and walk home, and no one cares. <laughs> and it's uh, <laughs> yeah. it is it is it is definitely
0: a, it's definitely a beautiful spot. So I'm, I'm I'm all for Sydney. Were you copying that as a young fella in in, in Melbourne? With that, you know, because we know it is a religion down there, and you would have been like you was that a, was that an issue going out and getting on the piss oh, and look, being recognised? Yeah.
2: yeah, look, I was never the never the biggest player in Melbourne, but it, it's. It is definitely prevalent um, and, it's, and it's, there's nothing wrong with it either. The, the, the crowd there and the supporters in Melbourne are the best people in the world. They're just so passionate and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they always just want to say get a and, and hang out, which I'm all for, but, you know, there is those times that you sort of just want to you, do your own thing. You cop a bit of a spray ever? Or like... um, did I cop a spray? I've never, like, copped a spray to my face, but, yeah, geez, I cop a, you know, Twitter is oh, Twitter is yeah. magnificent. So if you ever want to feel <laughs> shit about yourself, that's a kind of a Just place go on, on there that. and just, just <laughs> you know, if you really want to find, if you if you don't know what's wrong with you, just go on Twitter and yeah. find out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, this is a final that has been played out a few times. It's it's a Melbourne team and a team that's not from Melbourne. Do you think that the whole of Melbourne is behind Richmond?
2: Definitely not. Like Richmond have a massive support. I think they've probably got one of the best supporter bases in. The AFL, with not mm. in Australia, I think the biggest membership base. So it might just be on Collingwood, but their crowd is just incredible. They get around that you know their song, they you know the big yellow and black, and yeah. they absolutely love it. So um, they've got a massive, massive supporter base. But I'm pretty sure you know from what I'm hearing at the moment, a lot of people that you know aren't with Richmond are, are jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they're all very, very welcome to get down there on on Saturday and and support. And by all by all uh, reports that they are.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of like a people love the underdog. Yeah, it's an underdog yeah. story in the AFL Grand Final. Like, if your team is in the final, then you get like a certain allotment of the stadium, right? Yes. And do you think that the Giants are going to be able to fill it? Definitely. I mean, like, it's a long way down, and that is a big colosseum. Yeah, it
2: is. It is. Um, look, I think that like it's going to be a sellout, no matter what. Yeah. Um, the the exact uh, percentages, I'm not sure. Uh, look, it definitely will be, you know, you can definitely say that it's going to be majority um, Richmond supporters, yeah. but, you know, as I like to say, there's a big, big sea in the west of the town and the supporters that we have got, they might be few, but they're very loud and uh, hopefully the rest are going to jump on board. Yeah. yeah.
1: So if, if the Giants win, you know, what do you think the impact will be in Western Sydney? Like, do you think that now that they have a team out there, that's one of the key things in expanding sport. Any time is winning. Hundred percent. I mean, you, you've seen sports like rugby union, which used to be enormous back at the back end of the nineties when they were winning the Bledisloe, the World Cup, the Tri Nations. They were huge, and they went through a spate where they didn't win anything, and now you know you barely hear anything from them. Yeah, a bit, where, like a bit like swimming, bit like swimming at the Olympics, two
0: thousand year two thousand. Swimming was Australia's national sport, yeah, yeah, and it kind of goes through. Highs Australia's
2: and highs. very good at jumping on bandwagons, Backing yeah, a winner, yeah. 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 very good at just <laughs> you know claiming things that uh, you know that we like, and you know I'm all for that. I'm more yeah. than happy. Um, I think that yeah, like you said, success is the key indicator yeah. for for people jumping on board, and um, you look at a team like Brisbane Lions um, in the AFL. They won three flags in 2000, and they had a massive supporter base. Obviously, they came from Fitzroy in, mm-hmm. in Victoria, but travelled up. And um, now that Brisbane was successful again, they all just jumped on. They were selling out their stadium, and it was, you know, from all reports, one of the best places to be. With the Giants, I definitely feel that you know, once you win a flag, a lot of people are going to jump on board. Legitimize, um, It'll be huge.
0: Mm. Yeah, I remember. Mean, it's always a funny yarn up in in Brisbane. All those clubs, and yeah. there's some there's some suburban clubs that do pretty well
1: mm. for uh, creating talent up there. There's Macrovat, there's Morningside. Although it sure is, it's not a part of the world where you'd be wearing a scarf or a beanie ever. Or a singlet. You know? <laughs> but what
0: they've found is some of these clubs, um, suburban footy clubs, have guys drinking at the bar every day who have relocated from Fitzroy. Yeah, right. Yeah, just...
2: Just because of the just because wow, of the that's huge. That's uh, a real sick. I, I wouldn't
1: found. say just because you know maybe because no the- no uprooted, uprooted, like uprooted the at weather's 50 a bit years years nicer you know well, well, I can well, see I don't the weather
0: think you'd have to- up- uprooted their families and followed their club yeah. and had to find a job. That's huge. <laughs> the AFL has
2: some of the most passionate supporters, and you know yeah. the game's nothing without the supporters. So uh, kudos to them. It's a big move.
0: Now midway through your career, uh, through this season, Dill, you kind of started um, dabbling in media. Yes, which is something you, you're you mad not to because unlike most uh, professional sportsmen you can string a sentence together <laughs> um, now tell us about when, when that started coming to you was that was that early on in the career or was it something you kind of looked at oh look I've always had fun
2: just talking um, I love talking talking crap and uh, yeah find that you know it's, it was if that was ever something that I could think of being a career it would be huge but I think in my first sort of um, touch on when I was at Carlton you know you just focus on footy and that's it and when it all finished for me at Carlton, I got delisted in 2016, which delisted, I don't know if you know what that means. It means that you get fired pretty much mm-hmm. from your job. And um, I had nothing. Like, I, geez, that's not—that's very dramatic. I had a lot. <laughs> I had a lot of things, but I had no job. I had a mortgage and I was like, well, shit, what am I going to do? I had sort of no mm-hmm. you know, qualifications. Um, I hadn't really thought too much about it. And I thought, you know, like, if I get another opportunity, I'm going to make the most of it. Yeah, Giants came knocking on the door, and I'm forever grateful for that. Moved up to Sydney. And um, I just never wanted to have that feeling again that I had all my eggs in one basket. And, um, water. Yeah. yeah, just didn't want that ever again. So, yeah, started my own podcast, um, Dylan Friends, in which I just interviewed my teammates. I started out just interviewing yeah. my teammates. And basically, it was sort of a thing in my own head, and I can be honest with this, it was like, well, look, if I go up to Sydney and it lasts one year... Mm-hmm. At least I've got like a little bit of a showcase that when I come back, mm-hmm. I can just be like, hey, like, can I have a job? Because, yeah. you know, I've done this. Yeah. and yeah. You know, at least I hadn't done nothing. Yeah. But yeah, sort of um, really enjoyed it. And now, you know, I'm up to me sort of 26 episodes now and number one podcast. Number one podcast in sport, which is huge. And um, yeah, obviously got a lot of help from you guys at, at Batuta and Diamantina Studios come in here and use a studio. And it's been absolutely fantastic. And yeah, just absolutely loving it. That's a crowded space to be in what was going on in that podcast that kinda of triggered everyone? To be honest, so, you know, my biggest quote in the podcast is just be yourself. Everyone else is taken and I just have a bit of a joke around with the boys and I sort of find that a lot of guys in the AFL are scared of the media because mm-hmm. of what's reported. And yeah. I feel like when they sit down with me and have a chat we're just chatting as mates and mm-hmm. they can just be as open and free as they want. Something that if they say something it doesn't want to be in there, I'll take it out. Yeah. And it's just it's just a bit of fun. So it started with my teammates you know i've done a lot of guys from other teams um i've done cricketers now as well australian cricketers and yeah got some big ones coming up which is huge so i just love sort of sitting down with people and yeah just getting to getting to know them as uh, other people other than athletes
1: yeah it's always blown me away how how you've got these people who can play four quarters of high contact afl and then the first thing that they do is they walk off and they go and talk to a journalist i think that's probably the hardest road into getting into the media. At the off-season, like I can see, Cameron Smith doing it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really do that much on the field yeah. anymore. He's a bit of an old goat now. But, <laughs> but it, is, it is true.
0: Like that—that that is an elite skill in itself, being able to walk off and give a give a press conference. But you, you did say some of the you some of the blokes. Um, not, not everyone has that skill, and some of the blokes are a bit nervous about the media because of you know the media actually is one of the biggest hazards in your kind of career. Mm-hmm. Is, is one of the biggest hurdles and one of the biggest kind of. Um, things you need to navigate around. Have you seen anyone get stitched up? Definitely. Like, I think, you know, we were talking about it earlier off there about
2: Australia and it's tall poppy syndrome. Mm. And it's it's funny, you know, you look at sports like in the NFL and that and, you know, they just tell you how good they are. Yeah. And they don't care what they say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have media liaisons at the club and it's like, you know, this is what we need to say. Don't touch about this. You know, four quarters, you know, we'll get yeah. the four points and we'll reassess. And yeah. there's just all these cliches that need to be used because of, Media, you sort of feel like they are trying yeah. to catch you out on something you don't yeah. want to say. Um, a funny one, I remember. One of my first years at Carlton, um, Mitch Robinson, who's one of my ex-teammates. He, you know, he sort of says what he thinks, and he was on the Footy Show, and he sort of made a comment about Melbourne, saying that they play Bruce free footy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and which is just, you know, hes sort of yeah. having a bit of a dig, but didn't really mean it in a in a negative way. But that was. One of the biggest things that ever happened in in victoria after those comments it was just incredible the way it sort of blew up um so from there you know we were having coaching once a week on what to say and what not to say and media training yeah
0: it was it was crazy yeah yeah Now you can you can see some um some people that haven't really taken it in obviously you know there's iconic moments brown low medals and you know people getting hit yeah. with a camera at, plenty uh, mm. after being overly refreshed yeah now can you tell us um a little bit more about the things that you guys, as players, are kind of educated on. Uh, there was a few things this year with betting and stuff like that, and 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 young blokes can't really be, you know, accused of being involved in organised crime just because they're putting a few bets on. But they also shouldn't do it, and they can't be yeah. kind of more educated on that. But still, you know, it still happened for some poor buggers down down south.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it is crazy, mate. We we do a lot of education, mm-hmm. um, especially the the first years. You know, they haven't they have an induction camp. Uh, As soon as I get drafted, so Mm. it goes about three days, and it just covers absolutely everything. And then we sit down once a year with the AFLPA, the Players Association, and go through it again, just as a as a refresher. So the main sort of things that we focus on are the the illicit drugs policy and the anti-doping policy, which um obviously in the AFL at the moment has has popped up again. Mm. We go through the sexual conduct uh, sort of policy as well. You know, making sure that that's Mm. all clear. Uh, we go through the al- alcohol um, game plan. We go through gambling. We go through mental health. So the AFL really set up, you know, us for, you know, a lot. So th- there is a lot of help there for those guys. But obviously, you know, it's such a big organisation. A lot of guys there. Sometimes there's going to be some mishaps. But um, you know, we try. And we feel like it's you know pretty
0: good at the moment. A lot of downtime too. How did how did you deal with that early in your career? Because at, at eighteen, seventeen, yeah, well, you know, yeah. what are you going to do with yourself? Oh mate, I know. I
2: wish I could go back and speak to myself as a as an 18, 19-year-old, I yeah. think I should just, you know, go to training, come home, and sleep on the couch, watch movies. Yeah. Um, you know, now I don't have a spare minute, so it's, it's, it's funny how it changes, but yeah, a lot of those guys, like you said, they move into state, yeah. in the state, they don't have family, they don't have friends in in Victoria besides ones from the footy club, so, yeah. you know, that's probably where sometimes some of the problems start, I suppose, yeah. but there is a lot of support there, but yeah, you can't you got to fill your time. That's what the one thing I always talk to the young guys about is, and it's easier to say now because I've done it, but engagement off field is huge I yeah. feel like it's probably not just for footy but just for life like mm, Yeah, you got to be engaged and I always say just try things because you might not find what you want to do but you yeah. find what you don't mm-hmm. um, you know I sat down with that many people when I was at Carlton I was doing real estate property development which is what 99% of footy players sort of transition into <laughs> and um, that and coaching and yeah. those sort of three I tried them all out and I said look they're not for me and you know I wouldn't have known that if I didn't try it yeah. so I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that you need to do.
0: do. I mean gaming's a big thing now with players yeah. so you, you can kind of kill an afternoon doing that kind of stuff but, <laughs> but that, is, um, that is where you can find trouble. You
2: oh, know? We had a guy um, at the club and you know, throughout the year, we'll sort of you know start of preseason. We're talking about things that we're going to sacrifice. Yeah. And you know, guys were like saying, you know, I'm going to cut out chocolate for the rest of the you know preseason. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to do this. And uh, one of the young, I won't name him, but one of the young eighteen year olds said, I'm going to keep my Xbox to under one hour a night. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> How long are you playing, like, now? Like, one hour a night is... is, I don't feel like that's a sacrifice unless you're playing, like, 12 hours a day, which I'm scared to think that he probably was. (laughs) Oh,
1: bless him. Yeah, well, otherwise, I guess you'd just be doing a a holy Bacardia. Just (laughs) cross training. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because I, I guess, you know, like, you can always tell an AFL player from, you know, a rugby league player or a union player or a cricketer... Is it because they just look like they can just run a lot? Yeah. You know? Very slender. Yeah, slender. Yeah. Mm. I'm probably not the best
2: prototype for an AFL player. I think that's a funny thing up in Sydney. Like, and the best thing for me is you sort of look at me and be like, "Oh, that guy's probably just on lunch break at school or something yeah. in his casual clothes." So <laughs> it works well.
0: Yeah. So what are your tips for the grand final, mate? What do you what do you reckon's happening? And you can. You know, if you don't want to jinx, you you can touch Wooden. <laughs> but tell yeah. us, what you think, how do you think it's going to go down?
2: Mate, look, I'm very – it's easy for me to say because I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm so – I have such belief in the boys. And I just know what such a good group they are. And I know how hard they are. Like, we've, some of the boys are just so tough. Like, I'm mm-hmm. talking just – I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, I've mm-hmm. played with some good players. Um, so, I'm really excited to go down to the game. Um, obviously, I think we're going to win. Yep. Um, if we do everything right and we play our game – and we implement what we need to. Um, there's no reason why we can't be holding up the cup.
1: All right, Dil. Well, we're not going to hold you any longer because we know you've got a ticket on the big red and white bus down in Melbourne yes. this afternoon. So thank you for joining us and uh, good luck to your giant men. Boys, yeah.
0: thanks so much for having me. Go the high-vis orange. <laughs>